Welcome from me too. I'm Keith Elmick, one of the pastoral staff here. For those of you wondering where Steve Jay is this morning, Steve Jones is in London working with um, a church weekend there. It's actually the church that Russell Rook, who's part of our the Chapel Street team, has helped us with the school. Uh, it's his church. Uh, so that's where Steve and Bev are this morning. Um, we're this morning going to be looking at uh, belonging to something larger. Um, hence my initial picture, leaves and forests. Um, it's not very profound realising to realise that a leaf on its own isn't much use to mankind and is probably normally dead or dying. But a tree, that, the leaf that's part of a tree soon can become part of a wood or become part of a forest. It can become naturally part of something larger. And it's just a simple picture to get us focused around what I believe we need to be looking at this morning. Um, in the same way that, excuse the corniness of it, leaves belong to trees, we're designed to belong to one another. God never intended that we would just live and exist on our own as isolated individuals. We're made in some way to be connected with and part of uh, other people. You know, we're born into a family, good, bad, or indifferent. It's still a family that God intended to be a supportive family that's part of a community that in turn does amazing things together. We share joys and trials with one another. Um, that's a feature that God has set in place. Um, and when we are part of that, being part of something larger, there's a kind of growth thing that happens with that. Uh, a leaf being part of a tree is enabled it and the tree to grow. It's simple biology. It's simple truism. Um, but this whole things you look through creation and this whole pattern of small things belonging to larger things until the whole thing uh, is there is, you could see an example of the universe itself if you wanted to it's true of us as a body and Paul picks that up of course in, in Corinthians let me just read to you um, some familiar words from 1 Corinthians 12 the body is a unit though it's made up of many parts and all its parts are many they form one body so it is with Christ for we were all baptised into one spirit into one body whether Jew or Greek slave or free and we were all given one spirit to drink now the body is not made up of, many, of one part but of many if the foot should say because I'm not a hand I don't belong to the body it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We'll understand that we, you know, we are designed as God's family to belong to something larger than ourselves, to be part of a body together. And Paul goes on in verse, in verse 24. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honoured, 
every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you, each one of you is part of it. God intends that you belong to something larger. And in belonging to something larger, we discover, yes, that anything that is healthy is therefore part of something larger. If it's, you know, a leaf on its own, as I said, is dead or dying. It's not terribly healthy. But it's in the belonging to something larger that we experience, in that sense, a greater measure of, of health and of life. That's why we have missional communities in, as our church. Groups where we can gather together, to be part of something larger together. Where we can belong, where we can share fellowship. It should be a safe place. Just picking up on what came out of uh, the prophetic words earlier. struck me that in, when God's calling us to abandonment... Missional communities should be a safe place where it's actually easier to, us, to abandon ourselves to God and to one another. It should be a safe place where uh, if we want to sort of grow in exercising spiritual gifts, uh, be it prophecy or tongues, it should be a safe place to kind of experiment, to take a risk. You know, it's much harder here on a Sunday morning. In a context of a, of a missional grouping, missional community grouping, that should be a safe and a easier thing to do uh, there's an obvious sort of thing I want to add in which is if you're not yet functioning actively part of a missional community I believe it's really really important that you are it's a crucial place where you should be belonging to something larger and a crucial place where God will have actually life for you to enjoy and share with others um, it's a place where good relationships should be being formed we sometimes talk about relational joints, a bit of kind of, I know it's OCC jargon, but that sense that they're not just sort of nice casual friendships, but strong ties that we feel to other people, heart joinings that God gives us, that are formed in places like our missional community, where we spend time together, praying together, sharing vulnerably what God's doing in our lives, growing together, and getting involved in the task of mission together. But where we have those strong relational joints as and enables us to feel even more clearly that sense of belonging, of being joined, of being part of this, this larger thing that uh, we want us to be thinking about this morning. Um, but this, we could just sort of focus our talk this morning around just the sense of the body of Christ, but it's actually so much more than that that God wants us to get a hold of. Because not only is it true of us as individuals to be part of a group, a local, a missional community that in turn will be part of a local church like this one. But it's true that actually churches themselves find a strength in being part of something larger. And Paul uh, uh, himself was at pains to try and get the early church to make that part of its thinking. I'm not going to go through them all now because there are too many to go through. But if you want to note down Acts 14.27 or Acts 15.30... In 16 verse 4, chapter 18 verses 22 and 27, you'll see there are examples where as Paul went on his missionary journeys, uh, he encouraged churches to recognise they were not isolated, they were belonged to and had a part of an involvement in other churches. They belonged to something larger. And in these letters, oh, Paul in Philippians 4, 10 and 15, Colossians 1, 6, 4, 3 and 16, 
But in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4-10, you have examples there where Paul is helping the church to remember those in other churches, to recognise their responsibility to other churches, maybe in giving, but a connection and involvement, a being part of something larger. And the whole way in which the gospel spread to the early church that we've been looking at in the series of Acts. Um, if uh, this is maybe your first Sunday with us or first Sunday for a while, you, you may have missed the fact that we're in a, we've been in a series of Acts uh, through before the summer, looking at the book of Acts itself. We've moved on to, rather than focusing on the book of Acts itself, look at examples in Paul's letters to the early church that pick up on those themes in Acts. And this belonging to something larger is one of those themes, as I've just tried to illustrate quickly from those scriptures. And as the early church grew, this sense of being part of something larger became uh, the case because the word spread in this area, this is, that's part of what is now modern-day Turkey, up into uh, that you've got all the churches there that started off with Ephesus, that's the biggest star on the bottom left-hand corner, and Paul was based in Ephesus, but all those other churches that we know of, the churches that are either written about in Revelation, Smyrna, Thyatira, Philadelphia, the churches that Paul wrote to, Colossus just appearing off the bottom right of the screen there, near to uh, what's actually Laodicea in Heriopolis, those were all churches that not only just got planted because Paul was in Ephesus, but had a real sense of connection of one to another, an involvement in one another's lives that we see from the way in which Paul wrote to them uh, in his letters. So why belong to something larger? Why is it important? Why does it, why does it matter to us? I want to suggest to us two simple principles. Well, the first of which is that we're stronger together uh, as a result of being part of something larger. There's a verse which many of you will know in Ecclesiastes 4, which is, I just found a simple, powerful illustration of this. Though one may be powered, oh, sorry, well, one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, we, we often use that in the context of the, the marriage preparation course to talk about a particular dynamic there. But to me, it has a much more wider application of more together is stronger. A cord of three strands is stronger than a cord of two strands. The intertwining of those three strands together makes something so much stronger. We are stronger together than we are individually. That's why we're looking to support from one another. But why should that principle just stop short at us in our own, as it were, individual lives? Does it not extend beyond into the church and beyond? Having this bigger vision uh, of what God wants to do. And there's a second dynamic of this uh, stronger together, which enables us to actually achieve more together. It's what we sometimes call the principle of synergy, which I will, if you don't know what that is, I'll try and explain it as I read a particular verse from, of all places, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 8 says, 
Five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. And your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Well, it's not the enemies falling I was more interested in. It's the maths. Five will chase a hundred. And a hundred will chase ten thousand. If you do the maths, I think you'll find that the first is a factor of one to twenty. And the second is a factor of one to a hundred. Five people can put a hundred to flight, says the scripture. A hundred can put ten thousand to flight. Now, I'm not getting into how that happens. It's the, it's, it's the fact that more achieves even more. Yeah? That's, that's what we're seeing here. And that's, that's kind of the synergy principle. It's an, there's an exponential achievement as, as, as you work together, as you're part of something larger. And that's why I've got the, uh, the barn raising picture there. Uh, if you want to see the net result of that, it would look something like that. that Steve, I think, showed us a video earlier, a few weeks back, about, about this whole thing. A group of people together achieving something which a small group will obviously take an awful lot longer to, to realise. And I know at one sense that's a glaringly obvious illustration. Of course, more achieve more. But I'm wanting to God to kind of get something into our kind of understanding this morning into our hearts that says, yeah, and therefore we need to embrace that in how we think and see and operate uh, our lives as individuals and as a church. Because that whole thing of doing more together releases a whole load more life uh, among us. Uh, thinking about this this morning, I was reminded, you know, you know it's been around a while, you, you go back several years, to an example of our own, well, it wasn't much a barn raising, it was a barn destroying. Um, Tia mentioned the King's School in Whitley earlier. For those of you who don't know, that the, the King's School in Whitley has been part of the, uh, the church's ministry for nearly 30 years now. Um, and we run this, this school in Whitney as an independent school. And back in the early 80s, we were getting it established and we needed part of our getting the school set up some extra accommodation and we came across some huts that were actually just down the road near Farmore on what is now the, um, the nursing home there and uh, these huts were sat in there free to, to a good home if you took them away and so together one Saturday pretty much everybody from the church, which at that point in time consisted of people living in Whitney, a little village of Cote, a few folk in Wantage, a few folk in Chipping Norton, and I think a few folk in Kidlington. That was the kind of the scale of the church together at that stage. Um, and we got together and we took these things down. I mean, it was in the days before risk assessments and health and safety. Um, and we probably couldn't do it now in quite the same way. But it was an incredible day. Uh, and you look back at it with this kind of way in which nostalgia does things to you and think, you know, yeah, but it, it, but it joined people together. People, people will still tell you their crazy stories in that day that, of the things they did to achieve the task, which don't probably bear recounting too often because it involved guys often nearly falling off. Of, yeah, and, and a bit like those guys up at the top of there, you know, no ropes, no, no safety harnesses, no nothing, and way up in the air and in danger of falling off, and guys playing around with chainsaws and whatever, cutting things apart. It was, you know, not advocating it as a piece of sort of good health and safety, 
but I'm saying as, a, as an exercise together, as a team together, achieving something together that we would never achieve, there have just been a few of us, it was amazing. Um, and it's that more together, achieving more together, synergy principle, uh, that I believe God wants us to understand is part of his heart for how we see church. That it's, you know, so often we think individualistically. So much of kind of the Western mindset is this individual thing. And there's actually so little we can achieve individually. The more we embrace the larger, the more we can see God doing in us together. Uh, that's been the history of OCC. That this, this whole principle of more together, stronger together, uh, has resulted in us planting these churches across the county. So that by now you've got churches in it's the, either the, as you can see, the, the black, the yellow, the blue, the purpley blue, and the, and the red dots, the big red dots, are all part of churches that we've seen planted across the area over the last uh, 30, 40 years. And alongside that, there have been two particular projects, one of which I've just mentioned, the King's School in Whitney. The other is the one you're sitting in this morning, the King's Centre here. Both of those would have been beyond the realm of any one church to realise, I would suggest. It certainly wouldn't have been possible for, I'd just say, the church in Whitney to have got the King's School established back in 84. It would have been on the wit of the Oxford Church alone to have seen this building come into reality uh, as it was 10 years ago. It's required us being together, part of something larger, doing more together, being stronger together, that's enabled these kind of sizable projects to exist. And people walk into this building and they're amazed that, you know, that this, this you mean, it's your church's building? So, yeah, but actually it wasn't us that did it because it was actually part of the, the, all these churches working together to realise this vision. Um, and it's recognising that that whole thing of being together, being part of something larger... Uh, enables us to see God do so much more. And it, this being part of something larger doesn't stop there for us. But as a, a church that you just see in Oxfordshire, that, that bunch of churches on the map there that God has planted, that work together, which is why we're coming together next Sunday to celebrate together. Uh, when we do that every so often, as a mark of being together. We're also part of something larger. And right across the UK, there is the Salt and Light network of churches, of which we are a part. Oxford Community Church is part of something larger. It's part of the Oxfordshire Community Churches. Oxfordshire Community Churches is part of something larger. It's part of the Salt and Light network of churches. And each of those kind of weather-like suns um, represents an area of the country where there's a network of churches working together. So that, that you should be trying to work out where Oxfordshire is around at the middle of the UK. You've got Oxfordshire and then to the left Gloucestershire and slightly above it Worcestershire. Are three areas where we've got networks of churches more locally. Uh, and of course together as a sort of light network we can do things like put on transform in your new sheet. Because you get a series of plugs this morning, by the way. It's a kind of sermon to give you a vision of something bigger. But there's going to be a series of adverts stuck in along the way. First, um, first advert. In your new sheets, there's a mention of a thing called Transform 13. Transform 13 is 
the kind of national summer event that gathers folk from right across the Salt and Light Network together. It happens in Worcestershire. Uh, it's the end of July, beginning of August. And you can book now. Booking, uh, and in fact, the quicker you book, the cheaper it is. And you haven't got long to book now and get the first cheap discount. But by the 26th of November, uh, if you get in by then, you'll get a cheaper uh, rate than later in the year. And if you leave it to the last minute, it gets more expensive still. That's just to encourage you to book in and get there. But that's part of something we can do together right across the country, bringing the church together and recognising we're part of something larger. And as a result of that, we can do more together. And doing more together as a whole network of sort and light churches, we have this vision of being a people together, pioneering, proclaiming, and transforming. Seeing churches planted, seeing leaders raised up, seeing a society transformed together. And a whole lot that we're able to do together that we could not do if we were just Oxfordshire, and certainly we could not do if we were just Oxford. That's kind of the, the big picture background, but that's all kind of theory. I want to hope in just sort of the, bringing this thing to, to, to land over the next few minutes, just to get across some of the, the reasons why I think this whole thing is really important. And the first of those is to do with relationship. This whole network that I've described to you that we as a church are part of it in the area of Oxfordshire that in turn links us to the sort of like family of the nations has grown about out of relationship. Leaders particularly of churches who've connected with other leaders where God has joined hearts together where relationships have been formed that have caused churches to work together. Relationship matters. And the relationships are not just yeah, you're kind of a nice, vague friend of mine. I like you and we get on reasonably well. There's something much stronger than that. Uh, it's about commitment to one another. Uh, we used to have a phrase, maybe my phrase you're familiar with, you're good at my expense. Recognising that this, this kind of commitment of being involved in one another's lives, uh, uh, out of a joining that God does, because this is ultimately is a God thing. It's a God joining hearts together that enable people to work together. But it works because of relationship. It's relationship that holds the thing together. It's not a set of ideals, a set of doctrines, a set of principles, a set of rules. It's relationship. You know, wh- why are you part of your missional community? Well, we might be telling you it's a really good idea, it's how we structure church. But primarily, I suspect, it's because if you've been part of it for a while, the people that you go to and meet with are people you get on with, you've got relationships with, you like being with them, there's life in those relationships. You're there really out of relationship. Not because it's an organisational structure that has to be conformed to and boxes ticked. And so it is with, with us as churches together. We're there out of commitment, not convenience. In, in that, because there's life in those relationships. And as I've said, there's a kind of covenant to that. It's not a kind of take it or leave it thing. It's a really giving ourselves because those relationships matter. And you know, when the rubber hits the road people you know will be there for you Uh, and that works across churches as well as I trust within our own church community Eileen talked about abandonment I think 
the whole principle of abandonment to one another is something that has marked the way in which, as a network, we've grown. The relationships have been formed. It's about laying down your self-protection so there aren't barriers to relationship. And for me, the, the challenge for us personally is, okay, what about our own relationships? Are we living self-protective relationships? Or are we actually allowing ourselves to be abandoned to one another, to be vulnerable to one another, and in that vulnerability for God to speak to us, to help us to keep growing and moving forward? Are we... You know, because that's kind of the getting the first layer out of the way often, which enables us in turn to be more abandoned to the Lord Himself. You know, how are we doing uh, in our relationships? I do believe God wants to give us a fresh revelation this morning about the importance of relationship and the quality of those relationships that we enjoy together. And it may well be that stuff's happened that's caused you to pull back. And there may be a fresh need for the power of forgiveness to break in, to change the way in which you're seeing things, so that healing and restoration can come. It may be that you've got relationships which you know, matter to you, but they become casual. You're not actually prioritising them, you're taking them for granted. Because if we get our relationships right as a church, and that's healthy, then as a church we're healthier to be relating to others, and the whole thing is, is healthier still. I think it's, it's, it's an extending, outworking, growing principle. If we're not healthy, as it were, as cells, then the whole body's not going to be healthy. So how are your relationships? Are they, are they important to you, but they could do with more investing in? I do believe in different ways. God just wants to put his finger on that this morning. And I think this word about abandonment is key to that. next thing I want to mention was recognition. It's about recognising one another's different giftings and strengths and allowing those to, to operate. Not getting competitive with one another, but recognising that the giftings are God-given. If they're God-given, then they're there for our good to release life among us. But do we recognise those different giftings in your own missional community? Do you recognise one another's different giftings? Or is there still something in you that's somehow competing for recognition that actually God needs to help you with in order that we can really see that actually together we are stronger as our different giftings go to operate and God works through releasing them? Neil Townsend the other week talked about honour. When you look at other people, do you look at them with that sense of honour and value and appreciation? Or do you see them actually kind of competitively because somehow they're doing stuff that you wish you were doing or they're kind of better than you and you wish you were better than them? Uh, listen, this, is, <laughs> this could be me. This is me talking about me and God dealing with me over the years here. You know, recognising that competitive thing in me and that insecure thing in me that God had to deal with and I trust he's still dealing with that doesn't try to compete for a position and for recognition, but actually sees what other people God's put around me for my good and releases me in turn to be who I am for their good. How's your recognition? Thirdly, reinforcement. There's a strength that comes from operating together. Um, it's great to have the folk from Kidlington here this morning. You know, Kidlington is still in the early stages of growing. And as part of that, 
Most Sundays when they meet in Kidlington, there's probably somebody coming to help, maybe with worship, maybe with the preaching. That's part of the reinforcement that comes from being stronger together. Uh, And let's not forget that. And then fourthly, of course, together we release resources. Which gives me back to my second plug, which is to underline the celebration next Sunday. Because the whole principle of what's happening in Whitney is not, oh, it's just nice for them, it's Whitney, it's 12 miles down the road, it's kind of irrelevant, I never go to Whitney, why would I worry about the King's School, blah, blah. No, we've engaged in this process together because in the same way that the churches in Whitney and Abingdon and Didka helped us get this building set up that we enjoy, so now it's our turn to help the people in Whitney in particular and the people in West Oxfordshire and the people who are involved in the King's School be strengthened because they've got a great building to operate in. But we have a kind of part to play in releasing resources. The Macedonian church, that's a great example in Acts, of recognising that they were going to give to other churches that were miles away, that Paul rested and helped them to see they were connected to. If they could do it, can't we do it? What's God asking you to give next Sunday as part of seeing that loan and that building paid off? And finally, there's responsibility. There's a connectedness that we all have to the wider body of Christ that means there are times when we have to step up to the plate and take our responsibility as being part of that. And one thing that's been on my heart over the last few weeks afresh has been if you're our responsibility to recognise what's going on in parts of the world where the church is under pressure and to be praying because that's the main thing we can do for the persecuted church in particular. Last Sunday, along with being Adoption Sunday, was also a Sunday set apart to be the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church. Uh, And Open Doors, who um, Angus Reid and the church here works for, have a particular project running between then and Christmas to pray for 30 million children who are either orphaned, separated, rejected or persecuted for their faith as a result of being part of uh, the persecuted church across the world. Amazing there's that many people. Amazing that many people need our prayers. And one of the things that uh, you may remember, he said looking for his breathe booklet, that we are doing as a church together, is trying to establish a pattern of prayer ourselves. Now, three daily pattern of prayer, mornings, lunchtimes and evenings. Um, and if you go to the, the morning section, it says, it says, it says, pray for, I know it says it because I read it the other day, praying for God and his world. And it just struck me that this was a simple part of praying for, sorry, praying for the church and the world. It's a simple part of doing both those two things together. God's church in the world. Um, we could add praying for the persecuted church as part of our rhythm of prayer just remembering in some way maybe a situation you're aware of or a situation God lays on your heart to pray for each day so let's bring this into land although that's, that's people who are working to support the persecuted church that you might want to look into if we're talking about the bigger thing is better the bigger thing is stronger belonging to the bigger thing 
enables us to see God do more, for the kingdom to grow. Where do you fit in that? Where do you belong? Because if the cells aren't right, then the body's not right and the whole thing doesn't work properly. Whatever the big picture stuff this morning I might have been talking about, some of which may not seem, as it were, directly to you personally, I do believe if you personally are not operating healthily as part of this bigger thing that, that God wants us to see and understand is his heart for his church, then, as Paul says back in 1 Corinthians 12, you know, if you're suffering, the whole thing suffers. If you're not operating, the whole thing doesn't operate. So, where do you belong? How, how are you doing engaging with your missional community? How are you doing, as I was saying earlier, in the area of your relationships? What's God been speaking you to about this morning in that area that you need to act on? Where does those, this word of abandonment particularly fit for you? And how big is your vision for the church? And by that I mean... Do you just think of yourself as being quite contentedly part of this community here? Or is God wanting you to expand your vision of how you see church, that its connectedness together across this nation and beyond enables more to be done to see the kingdom extended? And where might you take steps of faith to play more of a part in that? I just feel there will be different ways in which somebody made to follow this through this morning. Uh, talk it through, think it through in order that um, God's desire to see his kingdom grow by us being clearly stronger together better together than we ever could be by just seeing things on our own is really important to us and what we're going to do now is kind of just bring that down to earth whilst you may be reflecting on those those two things, is actually enact that together. That's why we've got bread and wine here this morning. We're going to break bread together now. Um, but do it in a way which I don't know we've done quite like this for a while. So what I'd like you to do, please, is get yourself organised now to some gathering that works easily for you where you're sat right now. A gathering of four, five, six people. Because I want us to break bread together this morning. Um, Part of breaking bread together, Paul teaches us in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, is about recognising the body. This, Paul's actually teaching them because they've been getting it wrong. So we need to not hear this as a rebuke, but hear this as the exhortation about what's right. Verse 29, a man of 1 Corinthians 11, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And of course the body of the Lord is the body of Christ, which is the church. So when we, when we come together to break bread together, there needs to be a way in which we are recognising that we are part of a church together. Yes, it's about our relationship with the Lord and getting that right which is why many times we break bread in that particular way but this morning I believe it's appropriate that we actually do it in a way that recognises that we're part of something larger we're part of the body together so that's why I'm asking if you gather into small groups now uh, so that 
As a group, you can break bread together. And as a group together, you can pray for one another. Pray for one another. And that may indeed be, and this brings me back to the second thing that Richard brought out this morning. In that small gathering, I hope you might feel safe enough just to say, actually, this word about resurrection of dreams and hopes, you know, God really spoke to me about that. That really matters to me. Yeah, I'd like you to pray because there's a particular thing that I want God to kind of resurrect for me that I've allowed to die. That would be a really great place for doing that and praying that through. Uh, we've also grown much about healing this morning. You, know, you have anointing to pray for one another, to pray for the sick and see them healed. Pray for one another this morning for God's healing to come in that context. Uh, as we together remember Jesus' death and resurrection, the reason why we're a body together is because Christ died for us. The reason why God wants us to do more together is because he died for us. He's the source of power that enables us to do all of that. And we want to thank him for that this morning and access that afresh as we break bread together.